everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We are just going to jump right in because this is our first Dennis in such a long time. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, Kimberly. We missed you so, so, so much. Thank Welcome you. back, Dennis. Dennis. Where have you been all my life, Dennis? What happened? Where, Where have you he's been? He's been in freaking Idaho and... Colorado and in everywhere where there's snow. Not on Dateline. Not in Florida. But not on Dateline. Not, not on my on television Dateline. screen. Yeah. It's very frustrating. It's We're nice so to have him back. Yeah. To see him back. So this episode is called Footprints in the Snow. And you know, guys, we usually skip episodes with children. Or if you don't know. We normally skip episodes with children. We normally with skip children. episodes yes. with children. And SA. A lot of SA stuff. We skip those as well. We do. But... This one is too crazy. And we've also promoted the Wondery podcast several times about this. So I'm excited that we finally get to talk about it because I was kind of waiting for Dateline to cover it because they're awesome. So this is season 31, episode 18. This aired on February 17th, 2023. Dennis starts off poetic, waxing poetic, the windswept scruff of land, which I, I like scruff of land. It's good. And the nearby town was paralyzed in, oh, my God, fear. Off to a great start. <laughs> We've missed you so With a bang. Much. That was amazing. We are at Christmas time, 1984, taking it all the way back. Greeley, Colorado. If that sounds familiar to you, as it did to me, I had to give it a bing. And it is where Manx's podcast Internal Affairs takes place. Which I knew it is, sounded I familiar. I'm going to go out bold and say it's their juiciest, craziest podcast Dateline has had so it far. It is salacious with a capital salacious. S. Salacious, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this Greeley at this time was very quiet place, very safe. Gloria Matthews is taking a trip before Christmas. Her family is at home. Husband Jim is taking care of the kids, Jennifer 16, Janelle 12. Janelle was performing in the school honor choir like holiday concert that oh, which yeah. took me straight back doesn't it oh boy were you in choir we had to do kind of choir and we sang man in the mirror by michael jackson That's right and people cried in the audience <laughs> because the, it was like we are the future kind of you're gonna make the change yeah we're gonna make the change it's gonna um, feel real good it, yeah, it no. in hindsight change. the whole thing is achy it's but, bad the whole thing is bad. But at the time, with the choreo that we had, which was just a lot of sidestepping and snapping, I think. Can you bring your camera down so I can see your body, please? What are you doing? <laughs> I think what I'm just doing? doing. Gonna make a change. So very soulful side to side stepping. Life. How yeah. many soloists? I don't know, but I wasn't one, thank God. I love it. Yeah. So, so Janelle got a ride home with her friend, wait for it, Deanna Ross. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, I have a lot of questions for the Ross family. And her dad, Russ Ross. I wrote down Ron Ross because (laughs) I thought for sure I had heard it wrong. And so I wrote, oh, no, it's not Russ Ross. Russ Ross. I was like, it's it's Ron Ross. Yeah, Russ Ross and Deanna Ross. I'm obsessed. I love it. The grandparents, the Ross grandparents named their child Russell Russell Simon Ross or Russell... Russell George Michael Ross. Yeah. Russell. Okay. Yeah. Russell Michael Jackson Ross. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then it's Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. Exactly. Doing a solo, That's it. Doing a 
mm-hmm. song together. Okay. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, they did. Live Aid. There you go. So they dropped her off and she flicked the light on and off. So sh- they knew that she was okay. That was the signal that they had. Jim gets home an hour later and Janelle is not there. And he calls Russ Ross and says, did you drop her off? And Russ Ross says, yeah, she went in through the garage door into the house. And the dad is like, that door shouldn't have been unlocked. That's That gave me chills. Yeah. So the police come and they immediately take it very seriously, which I was actually impressed with. Because usually the police on Dateline say, they probably just ran away in the cold winter didn't take any shoes. I'm sure they're just a runaway. But they actually took it very seriously. But she's young. She's 12. And I would hope that in most child cases, they take it a little more seriously quickly. I would hope. So they fingerprint the house. They're on it. We learn a little bit about Janelle was ebullient and cheeky. And I said, mark down when a host uses big SAT word on your bingo card. Ebullient, cheerful and full of energy. Thank you. She also could be very sassy. And she loved Menudo. I was stoked about the Menudo thing. I was, I don't remember Menudo being around. I, I thought they were much earlier. I thought they, but I know, but they spanned a long time because they kept having, they kept kicking off the kids when they got too old and like mo- I, <laughs> putting them in like a lab somewhere and then like bringing in new youngsters, right? I think that's their claim to fame. Yeah, that's all I know about them. So Here, wait a minute, you, the suffer the little children and forbid them not the mom. This was my favorite part because that's a Katie move. Explain. So Gloria Janelle's mom was sort of describing her, and she's also being described as bossy, which I mm-hmm. I relate to that. I had a bossy sister, so I get it. And so it was really funny. Janelle was like not getting her way on something. Her mom was being very firm and saying no. And Janelle was coming back again and being like, please, no, let me just do, you know, trying to worm your way to get what you want. And her mom goes, Janelle, no. And Janelle like stomps her foot, huffs up the stairs and then turns around and goes, suffer the little children and forbid them not. And just (laughs) keeps going. So it's a class move. To throw New Testament at your mom. I love it. It's very, Now, very on funny. Twitter, we got a Janelle lit up a room. But in this episode, we're getting really sassy pants. Sassy, that bossy, makes, opinionated. That makes us like her more. That makes this whole thing sadder because it makes us love her more because she was so memorable and had such a big personality. And of course, she lit up a room. Yeah, by being so sassy. and By I love having it. all of these amazing attributes that are yeah. really great and bode well for a 12-year-old. Like a no-nonsense 12-year-old is done great. done such good things. It's really a shame. It really is just brutal. None of her shoes are missing, so she's without shoes somewhere. That's but she, not good. She had left a message for her dad to call a coworker, so she had been in the house long enough to either check the messages or take a phone message. How long had she been in the house by herself? That's what we don't know. Why don't we know that? Because we would have to know exactly when she was taken and we don't. I'm sorry. How much time between Ross, Russ Ross, Mm -hmm. the Rosses, and dad coming home? An hour. One hour almost exactly? Yes. But we don't know when in that time period she was taken. Because she literally could have come in the door, gone to the answering machine, listened to the messages, and then gone and done Okay. And it was the garage door that was open, right? Like the big door, not the 
Not it the was door a little confusing. Inside. I know she used the garage door into the house, like the actual door with the handle. I'm fairly certain it's the big door. And that's why Jim Matthews was sort of panicked because he's like, what do you mean the garage door was open? It's like yeah. that she went into the already open garage mm-hmm. and went into the house. Yeah. Because I think probably what they do is leave that door unlocked, but close the garage door. Yeah, so that people can't sense. get in that easy. That yeah. would make sense. So Detective Gates, his job is to knock on doors and talk to neighbors. And Dennis goes, you're a canvasser. He is. He also has big dad, big dad energy, (laughs) not big daddy energy, which is something different. John Gates is just a a dad with a dad stash. Yeah. But I love when Dennis gets in on the lingo and he's like, I know what it is. You're a canvasser. Oh, no. Yeah. Dennis and John are together. Yeah, there's footprints in the snow outside the house, which is our title of the episode. Mm -hmm. And they're leading to a window. And also the same prints walk through some oil in the garage towards a rake. And the rake was used to rake over the shoe prints in the snow. And they don't release this info to the press, which becomes very important. Now, there are still footprints in the snow. Some are raked over and some are not. So what? So we're looking for someone who's not smart. Not detail-oriented. Walking in oil in the garage. Right. You're going to get a very clear shoe print. Yeah. But then taking the time to rake some, not all, of the footprints that you made. Correct. That's foolish. Jennifer says, if my... Jennifer's also amazing because she knows her her sister sister was sassy. So Jennifer is like, if my sister was going to run away, she would have left a note and been super dramatic about it. And she wouldn't have been gone on Christmas and missed out on presents. And I love that her sister has now been missing for decades. And she's still like, yeah, she was an annoying little sister because it's so real. She doesn't have this idealized view of her sister. Are you the same age difference as these two with your brother? Yeah. Because the 17, 12, yeah. See, that's a big cut. Yeah. Someone's in high school and someone's an annoying junior higher. Yes. That can be rough. The family puts up flyers. They go on the news. They do searches in the snow with hundreds of people. I do love a search party in the snow. Snowshoes search party. What about vintage search party? That's one of my B-rolls because we get so much vintage like 1980s canvassing search party footage in this. Yeah. The months into the a month into the disappearance, police turned to Deanna Ross's dad, Russ Ross, which I thought they would have looked at him much sooner because he was the first the last adult to see her alive other than the killer. First thing I wrote down, he should be the number one. Yeah. So, but it took a month. They also look at Dad Jim, who is the most mild-mannered and not in a creepy way man that I've seen in a while on Dateline. He seems just, to me, does not seem suspect at all. Very unemotional. Yes. Very calm. So is Gloria, to be honest. Yeah. In these interviews. They're just very subdued people. Yeah. They're not allowed people. No. Maybe Coloradans are... Yeah. They're mountain people. Yeah. So he tells investigators that he didn't notice that she was missing right away. And they thought that was very strange. He yelled out hello and didn't hear anything back. And then he wrapped a Christmas present before he went to check on her and realized she wasn't there. I don't find that strange at all. She's 12 years old. She probably watches TV and listens to music loudly. And is she's used he's used to her not answering him all the time. And I think it's one of those things where 
oh, I'm going to wrap her present. Right. If she's in her room, I'm going to get this done really quick. Exactly. The other thing they thought was strange was he didn't call the police first. He called his pastor first. That I thought was weird. It's a little weird, but we've seen it before with super religious people. Their authority figure in their life is their pastor. It's not the police. And because they're so religious. And so they go to who's the leader? Who should I get guidance from right now? I don't recommend it whatsoever, but I'm saying we've seen it before. I can think of one time we've seen it and he was guilty. Okay. Interesting. I got to go back. We just saw it last year. Okay. We we had that guy that, remember, he did, he went to go see the camp Well, no, he went to go confess to his old pastor, big brother person. That was different. That wasn't like, instead of calling the police when he had an emergency, he called his pastor. I'm not going to say it's... I would say it's unusual, and it's if unusual. I was a detective, I would need a reason why that happened. Yeah, for sure. That it's was not just unusual. Jesus. Yeah. There needs to be another, like, <laughs> explain it to me in more than two sentences. And the problem is, Jim is not a talker. No. So I don't know if he's going to be able to yeah. get the heat off him with yeah. his answers. Yeah. So the next day, this is the third strike against Jim. The next day, police are all over the house and he goes for a drive for four hours and is totally unaccounted for. He's also acting unemotional. And the detective says to Dennis, it shouldn't matter how someone is acting, but it does, which is kind of what we say on the podcast. You don't want to judge how someone's acting, but you kind of are looking at it as a gauge. But I think maybe those four hours were his normally stoic, unstoic cry time, where he's like, I've been holding it together. And then he goes off. Maybe he was looking for her on his own and crying. I fully agree. I think that he was looking for his daughter. I think he couldn't just shuffle around the house while people are going through his things and touching his daughter's room. Yeah. I think that would freak me out. And I think I'd be like, I just have to get out of here Mm -hmm. and maybe I'll find her. Yeah. Maybe by some twist of fate, I'll see her and I'll be able to bring her home. Yeah. And this is what, Christmas Day at this point? Day? No, it's the 21st. Okay. No, yeah. If the next day would be the 21st, it happened on the 20th. Yeah. Yeah, this is a horrible time of year for this to be. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible at horrible any point any in time, year. but it's also she's still at that age where Christmas is such a big deal. Yeah. And then you have that reminder every single year because the whole world makes a big deal about Christmas. So you're that reminded is... of it everywhere for months. It's yeah. Horrible. People that lose people around Christmas time, it's That's... it's really, really hard. Yeah. The good thing for Jim is that his boots don't match the footprints. But detectives wonder, how did the person know the rake was going to be there? Well, it's kind of obvious that rake would be in a garage. They also think, why would the killer put the rake back? Sorry, why would the kidnapper put the rake back where it goes? Valid. Why would they not just leave it where they raked? Unless they thought maybe it was going to snow and cover up the rake marks. And Very good point. Before they, the police noticed it. And then if they put the rake back, they won't know they did any raking. Very good point. It seems crazy that there would just be a blizzard because you had to know that people are going to figure it out right away that she's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it does seem crazy that there would be two inches of snow happening in the next two hours. Right. But you never know. So, yeah, you never know. But I think it feels like a, it does 
It does, again, seem suspicious because it feels like a habit thing. Yeah. You take interest. Oh, like uh, it seems suspicious on Jim. Like that yeah, he hundred percent. Right because it- this person we already know isn't detail oriented. The kidnapper's right. not detail oriented. He didn't do all the footprints, mm-hmm. but somehow puts the rake back. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense later when we find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But now it makes no sense. If this is just the sort of crime scene investigation analysis that you want to do, I have a game that you need to try. What? It's called June's Journey. I know you've heard of it because I'm late to the party as I am on everything. You play as the super stylish amateur detective living in the roaring 20s, June Parker. She's trying to solve the murder of her sister and brother-in-law that the police think is a murder-suicide. And Ooh. so she is like, no. And so she goes to town and she's like, I'm going to help my niece and I'm going to solve this. And it's a hidden object game. Each scene you're searching is a crime scene. So it's like the mansion in Clue. I've discovered a full-on trapdoor. <laughs> it's so cool. Trapdoor, there's prohibition and bootlegging involved now. Oh, boy. And, and oh, then yes. the, the most exciting thing happened... A new character entered the game. A very, With an eye patch? No. Oh. He, it's so much better. What? A very cute FBI candy agent named Sam Watts, who is a ginger. Oh, I And love he's him. in the 20s. Yeah, love him. And I am madly in love with him, even though he is animated. That's okay. So the animation is so good, but also like your house looks amazing. You're decorating an island. I just started a hedge maze and I'm pretty sure I'm going to spend all of my coins making it like the shining hedge maze and I'm going to ignore everything else on my island. That's probably what's going to happen. Hedge maze feels like a priority. Also, don't forget the costumes. The clothes are really cool. The clothes are the hats. The feathers. Yeah, it's amazing. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. It's available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. Join me on June's Journey, which I am now calling June and Kimberly and Hot FBI Candy Sam's Journey. Beautiful. Check it out, guys. Thanks, June's Journey. So the FBI in this case, who might be Hot FBI Candy... Don't know for sure. Didn't get a good read on them. I know they were 80s style. So picture that. Probably. They give Jim a polygraph and he fails it. To which Dennis says to the detective, but polygraphs are just used for guidance. You can't use them in court, I think. And I was like, Dennis, don't do that. You know you can't use them in court. You don't have to add you think. It's like he has a crush on a boy and he's getting the answers wrong on purpose so the boy will like him, which is something girls used to do in the 80s and 90s. And we don't do that anymore, girls. Show your intelligence, Dennis. Well, no. Okay. Dennis, is. it's also called keeping the conversation going. (laughs) He's trying to get the guy to talk more. He's not doing. Stop projecting on Dennis, Kimberly. I'm not having it. I'm not having it today. I'm not having it any day. Okay, maybe he was like just trying to encourage the conversation. A hundred percent. By trying to get him to say it. Something he obviously knows. That is correct. So everyone in town is obviously freaking out. And then we enter a new person, another podcast host that is not us. So Ashley has in quotes a well-known podcast on the case. To which Why don't Dennis they tell us? never tells us the name. Now, we know the name because we have done promos for it. It's called Suspect. 
vanished in the snow. But they don't say it. Why would you say a well-known podcast on the... I would be so pissed if I got to go on Dateline. I mean, she's already an established name. But if we got to go on Dateline as unestablished names and they did not mention the name of our show... It's like when Gene is running in the baseball game as a mascot and he wins and on Bob's Burgers and Mr. Fishhoder's like, where can people find burgers from your family? And he's like, my family's restaurant is and he doesn't remember the name. And it's like, this is the whole point. Promotion. So anyways, but she does. Ashley doesn't need it. I think I know why. I think it might be a. I'm not going to say the company that hosts the podcast, but it could have something to do with contracts with that company that they have to allow you to say the name. Well, if Dateline was 2020, where they put the Chiron at the bottom where they say the person's name, it would say Ashley Fonts Suspect Vanish in the Snow podcast, you know? I just feel like... Which would be helpful sometimes if Dateline did that. Because sometimes we lose track of who people are. But I do feel like... Okay, also Dateline thinks we're smart and thinks we can keep track of people. So I do appreciate that. You're overestimating It would be helpful. But there's got to be a reason they're not saying the name. Because it is awkward that they don't say it. Yeah, I agree. So Greeley Police gives Jim another polygraph. And he fails again. And this is where very mild-mannered Jim loses his patience and we're hearing the audio and him raising his voice is like me at normal volume. It's very much like, I don't know who took her and I don't want to raise my voice because that is not my style. And I am a church-going man. So please believe me that I like it's not even that raised. It's not. It's like two decibels higher because he seems like a gentleman. Everyone in town, though, now thinks he's a suspect. So it's small town gossip mill. And I feel like the cops are really facing in the wrong direction. So Eileen is a family friend. And she says the only way to clear Jim's name is to find Janelle. So she forms a group called Rescue Janelle, which I liked because it's very succinct. Mm -hmm. The title is what it is doing. They send flyers all over the country and even to embassies around the world, which is crazy but very smart i thought that this was is very a friend smart. to have good friend gets stuff done too and is not afraid is not afraid to make big phone calls and do things i am like... afraid to call the pharmacy like i'm stressed yeah, out exactly. i would rather order pizza hut on the app than have to talk to a pizza hut employee Agreed. and she's Fully calling agree. like talk shows and embassies and not afraid she doesn't have a phone call anxiety that I i'm have. really embarrassed now i'm embarrassed <laughs> i want i do i want to not have that i know so eileen says i'm calling the big guy at the top because i'm not afraid i'm calling and i this is who i'm talking about guys ronald reagan aka irreverent playboy drake mchugh whose liaison with the daughter of the town surgeon leads the vindictive doctor to cut off his legs after Drake is injured in an accident. I had to look up what some of Ronald Reagan's famous roles are, and that is one of them, and it sounds super dramatic. Oh, yeah. I'm into it. Ronald Reagan, who is now in the White House. So Eileen calls the White House, and she somehow talks to Reagan's advisor and gets Reagan to mention Janelle during a speech on missing children, which is amazing. And the speech gets the tip line going, and a thousand new leads come in, which is amazing. Unfortunately, 
none of the tips trickle down to actual leads. Someone's going to get that joke. Still best fr- <laughs> still best friend ever. Yeah, best amazing. Friend. Go at, yeah. Uh, come on, Eileen, you did an amazing job. You did great. Five years passed. A new oh. detective takes the case and goes through the file and finds a report. In it, the police interview a woman right across the street from the Matthews house. This woman says, well, my son was visiting us that night. Maybe he saw something. He got in his car to leave around nine o'clock and he sat in his car for a few minutes watching something across the street. This is what the mom saw. And the police never interviewed the son. I'm getting some rage going. Okay. The flames are tricked. They're like at my neck. Yeah, they haven't reached my face yet. Flames are coming. At the time, the son named Norris Drake. Isn't that also who Ronald Reagan played in the no, movie? No. Wasn't there a Drake in the movie? Yeah, maybe, but not this movie. Oh, okay. No, it was, oh, no, you're right. Drake McHugh. There we go. McHugh. Not yeah. to be confused with this, whose name is Norris Drake. Wow, full circle. Also, Drake, you know, singer, rapper, former Degrassi star. And I tried to think of some Degrassi songs to work in there. I couldn't think of any. So I don't know anything about Drake. The son is Norris Drake. He's creepy. He has a mustache and he wears serial killer glasses. Although, to be fair, everyone in the 80s had those serial killer glasses. I didn't think he was that creepier than anyone else. He, maybe the 80s were just a creepy looking time. I think that's valid. It could be actually. that. It could be that. Yeah. So Drake was unemployed at the time on drugs living with his friend, violent, according to his ex-girlfriend. That's he bad. told his ex-girlfriend, if I kill you, no one would find your body. And he showed her how to conceal his footprints with a branch. Oh, boy. He also had a thing for preteens who looked a little bit older. Nope. <clears throat> nope. Nope, 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 nope. And he told his girlfriend this. And I was like, girl, leave him. Please tell yeah. me this is when you left him. This is a crimson red banner. Yes. Come on. So Drake was unaccounted for for five hours that night. He tells his friend's sister the next day, a girl was kidnapped right across the street from my mom's house. And I talked to the police outside the house, which he didn't. And it wasn't on the news yet. So how did he know that that happened? Because he left before the police were there. He did? Yeah, he left at nine, and that was before the police had come to the house. And he hadn't been back since? No, he. we don't know where he went for those five hours before he got to his friend's house. Oh, God. Okay. So the friend's sister was so suspicious of him that she told a police officer friend who was in Denver, and the that police officer never filed it with the local police. So it never got in the police file. So the only lead they had was the mom saying, oh, my son was visiting that night. Maybe he saw something, which they skipped that fact. But now they're finding there was this huge connection and he mentioned things before. It's bad. And he is a pedophile and he is violent. And he would cover up his footprints in the snow with a branch. So... Drake tells investigators, yeah, I was at my mom's house that night, but I drove straight back home to my friend's house, which is a lie because he was missing for five hours. And his like friend's girlfriend was or friend's sister was sleeping on the couch. So she knows what time he got home. Oh, God. He says, I heard a rumor that a gang of kids had come across the field and kidnapped that girl. And I was like, teens? Youths. Kidnapping youths? 
Yep. A gang of teens were mocking Katie's hairstyle outside of the 7-Eleven and then kidnapped a girl? I don't think so. They better not have. No. Wouldn't put a past on them. And then he tells the police, I heard they took a rake and raked over their tracks. He which, did? I missed that. He said again, that to police? Only the police and the family knew that. Okay. They say, how did you hear about this? The rake thing. And he says, I think my mom told me. Now, oh. his mom is the cross-the-street neighbor. It could be possible she saw the rake marks or heard maybe police talking about this, but this was the thing they kept secret. It's the thing they kept secret so that they could suss out who the real killer was. I guarantee you the surrounding neighbors are talking to each other. She yeah. got this information from whoever is closest to Gloria, and yeah. Gloria gave out information. But so. I think the fact that he had previously told his girlfriend, if I killed you, no one would find your body and I would cover up my footprints with a branch. That looks really bad. It looks really bad. And he's attracted to younger girls. But we're only getting that from the girlfriend or had he been charged multiple with that? Multiple people, I think. Oh, if it's multiple people, okay. And if he had, but I, but he's never been charged as No, but he was offender. violent with his girlfriends. Like, yeah, that's bad. So he's a bad, bad, bad dude. And he's addicted to drugs? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he swears he had nothing to do with it. And he keeps calling the investigator Keith. And I was getting a little triggered because I felt like it was when, you know, in interviewees call Keith, Keith, our Keith. He said it like five or six times. <laughs> okay, Keith. But maybe the Keith detective said you can call me Keith. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's been in there a bunch. <laughs> and knows the detective. Did they know each other? Yeah. He's a troublemaker. Yeah. So he lawyers up. He says, get my lawyer on that hotline bling, which is the only Drake song I can think of. I didn't even know that was Drake. <laughs> so he lawyers up and they have no proof of anything. It's just a lot of circumstantial. A lot. Mm. They don't also even have proof that Janelle is dead at this point. So the case goes cold for two decades. In 2013, which would be three decades, actually, 80s to the 90s, 90s to the aughts, aughts to the 10s. That's three decades. Two new No, because the Drake thing came up five years after, so that would be 1990. You're right. But it's, okay. two de it's three decades from the actual original date okay so in 2013 two new detectives take over cash and prill who do sound like a buddy cop they do cash sure. and prill cash and prill and prill has apparently been on dateline a couple other times so oh okay. there you go norris drake is now dead at this time but there's a new suspect for them to focus on steve panky he once worked as a custodian at the matthews church he was fired and held a grudge I heard something I thought of why he got fired at the church, and I thought it was because he was inappropriate with somebody, but I can't remember where I heard that, and I didn't do the research on it, so people will have to tell me. I'm sure it's in the podcast, Suspect Vanished in the Snow. They don't say it on Dateline. They just say he got fired. He held a grudge, though. And then he worked for Russ Ross of Deanna Ross's dad, Russ Ross, at a 7-Up distributorship. He alleges that Russ Ross beat him up and holds a grudge over Russ Ross. He did not beat him up. 
I don't think any any of of these church dads are beating up anyone at the 7-Up distributorship. No. I know it's the 80s, but like, I don't (laughs) think that's happening. I really don't. After Janelle disappeared, he called police and he said, I have information that she's dead, but I won't share any more until you tell me what you know. He's trying to bargain with police. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. But he's saying he knows where her body is and it hasn't been found at this point. And he calls repeatedly over the years. He is dismissed by every detective. Because that's insane sounding. Because if someone calls it as like, I'll tell you what I know if you tell me what you know. (laughs) He's trying to literally do a Hannibal Lecter with them. A quid pro (laughs) quo. Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yeah. yeah. It's really dumb. No one's going to take you seriously. No. So finally, after 34 years, he gets a call back from a detective, and it's Detective Cash. And he won't talk. He says, I know things, but I won't talk until I have a deal. I need to be protected. Oh, my God. I need an attorney. We need to have a deal that won't be broken. Like, he thinks he is... The inf- he thinks he's deep throat. He thinks he he's does. the most important informant that has ever lived. He needs police protect. He needs An secret armed service escort. to protect witness him. protection. Witsec. The demands are a lot. He a just lot. really wants to be important. He is known for being quirky and belligerent. Just me before I've had my coffee. That is the Um, worst combo of adjectives I I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I've been called quirky many times, but I've never been called belligerent. Belligerent is bad. No. So his ex-wife, they the police call the ex-wife. Here we go. Angela Hicks. She's a star. Yeah. She says, I've been waiting so long for you to call. Why why didn't you call? Well, that's my the big question. Was she scared of him? Like, why did she not call? She's yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of emotions wrapped up and stuff like that. For the that maybe we don't know about those until you're in it. Yeah, I don't, don't want to blame yeah. a woman here. For I don't this either, situation. especially not her, because she really helps this. She case. does. She yeah. does. She says that a couple weird, weird things happened with her husband. In 1999, they had moved to Idaho, and he tries to talk to the police there about Janelle's case, even though Janelle was taken in Colorado. And he's trying to get involved with the police and get them to... It's very strange. And she asks him, why were you talking to them about that? And he looks at her and says, you don't think I would hurt you when you look just like her? And she said, is that what he said? He said, you don't think I would hurt her when she looks just like you, which is bizarre. I don't know if it's more bizarre the first way I said it or the second, but it's you. I think it's you don't think I would hurt you, do you? She looks just like you. So if I wouldn't hurt you, why would I hurt her? If A equals B. If I yeah, maybe he said, I don't think you don't think I would hurt you. And you look just like her. Yeah. is that way? Or he yes. said, I don't understand it either way. No, I, so, think, I, I think I did it. Okay. But so, I've been confident before. She yeah. then remembers something else that seemed so weird. So right the day after Janelle disappeared, which would be December 21st, he yeah. said, let's go to California for Christmas. Totally unplanned. Mm-hmm. So they pack the car and they drive there. And when they get there, he has a fight with his dad and they basically turn around and come home. They're only there for a couple of days. So they drive back on Christmas Day and 
on the drive back, he is forcing her to change the station repeatedly on the radio, trying to hear news reports about Janelle the whole time. And she thought it was so strange. It's pretty strange. And then when they get home, he runs in the house, changes into coveralls, and starts digging in the front yard of their house in the snow. So even if... so. I mean, he either did it or he has mental health issues. I think it's very clear he has mental health issues. It's very clear. But he also may have done this. Yeah. So detectives, He may have also committed a really bad crime. Right. He may also have convinced himself that he did this when he did not do it. That is a very good point. So the detectives have ground-penetrating radar search his yard and they don't find anything. No, they don't. They have a very specific company come and do ground-penetrating radar searches. Did you what catch was, the name of the company? No, what was it? Necrosearch. Oh, my God. That ain't right. Mm-mm. That boy ain't right. That's like not that. right. No. I don't like that. That nope. dog just won't hunt. I nope. don't like that. I don't like it. I'm sure it means something totally innocuous. No, it doesn't. It means one thing. It means we're searching for dead things. I know. Under the ground. I, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, they should have just made it like just searching. They should just call anything it other detectorists. Than, don't put necro in your thing. No. Don't do it. Because the things that we're thinking of, like necrophilia, necromancy, they're all things that that's what that name brings to mind. Because we're immature. No, because it's a bad name for a company. <laughs> you and I are old enough to know when something doesn't work. Yeah. And that doesn't work that great. Doesn't work. Then in 2019, so four years ago, they do sadly find Janelle's remains. Ugh. They find a girl with braces outside of town. It's very, very sad. The family, she was shot through the head with no other DNA around her besides her. They have to match it to her biological parents because she was actually adopted by the Matthews. And mm. the family holds a burial. It's been 34 years. But I think that finally gave them some sort of, I don't know. No, I don't want, closure doesn't really do, is make says closure doesn't exist. But I think it was nice for them to have something that they could have a burial. I so, think it's nice to have a body. I think people are eventually really, really happy that they can pay respect. Yeah. And the unknowing, some part of that has been answered. 100%. So the police go to Idaho to see Stephen Pankey, and they check out maybe Chad Daybell's closet portal while they're there. I don't know. I would. If I was going to Idaho, you know that I'm making a stop. Yeah, probably. So Stephen is a mortician, because of course he is. But as Dennis points out, and as we are going to point out, because we don't want to get comments like we did after the episode with the killer masseuse massage therapist, that not all morticians are weird and creepy and maybe killers. And I hope we didn't imply that about massage therapists. We're definitely not going to say it about morticians. There's a mortician... Morticians are some of the nicest people. And actually, when my dad did his aptitude test in high school... He scored very high on that would be a good career for him. Interesting. Yeah. Mort is a great character on Bob's Burgers. There you go. They're very nice people. Steven, not so much. And Dennis even goes, of course, lots of people work as morticians. There's nothing weird about that. It's a job that needs to be here. It is providing a wonderful service for people that are going through the worst times of their lives. Uh Uh-huh. 
I did Google, though, have there been any famous morticians who were serial killers? Because I was curious. And there was one named Bernie. And I did that because I love trivia. I want to know as many random facts as possible. So fun, frenzy trivia is another one of my decompressing, anti-anxiety, calm down and zone out free mobile games. It's a trivia game with over 600 different categories like music, TV, animals, celebrities. You have to choose the most popular answers. So like what are the top six ingredients you could find on a pizza? You guys, I was stuck on ham forever. I didn't, couldn't think of ham. I got all the other ones, all the other meat eater stuff. Forgot about ham. I was beating myself up about that. It sounds simple, but the questions get harder over time. But if you get stuck, it's fine. You can use like coins and gems to get hints and beat the level. I do love trivia. You know I love trivia because I like to sound smart. And trivia lets you drop little nuggets of knowledge at parties and sound super smart. So I love fun, frenzy trivia game. And I'm super, super obsessed with it now. Fun Frenzy Trivia is an exciting brand new game on the App Store from the creators of the number one trivia app, Trivia Star. Download Fun Frenzy Trivia today to challenge yourself. Just go to Apple or Google Store and search for Fun Frenzy Trivia. Download Fun Frenzy Trivia for free today. Get ready to flex your brain muscles. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you got stuck on ham too. Maybe we can collaborate on animals that start with the letter C because that one also tricked me a lot. Thank you, Fun Frenzy Trivia. Check it out, guys. Katie, we've been talking a lot about 80s, 80s hair, 80s mustache, 80s sideburns. That's a lot of hair to control. It is. And you know what? Everybody with wild 80s hair in the 80s or in the 2020s can benefit from an amazing hair care regimen. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're going to talk about pros. Yay! Most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of pros, which is the world's most personalized hair care. And switching to a custom routine from pros was one of the best things I've ever done for my hair. My hair is so much smoother and stronger, even with the bleaching process that I've used on it. And by used on it, I mean I use a bleach process on it once a month. Oof. Yeah, it is oof. And because my formula from pros is uniquely formulated, knowing all about my damage level, I'm talking about my hair only with the damage level. We're talking, we'll talk about that other kind of damage in a separate episode. Yeah, exactly. My hair doesn't have that frazzled, over-processed appearance that it used to have in my pre-pros days. I use a shampoo-conditioner combo as well as beautiful-smelling hair oil that I swear saves my hair between washing. Also, don't skip a pre-shampoo treatment when it is recommended to you. I never thought that that would work as well as it does, and then I tried it, and now I use a pre-shampoo treatment once a week at least. And you'd think that it would weigh your hair down it doesn't it just like seals in all the goodness mm. it's such a neat process and i trust the pros at pros that if they recommend it to me it's good for me mm -hmm. so now i have soft strong hair that by all accounts should be a frazzled ball of platinum frizz pros knows that there is more to you than just your damage level or hair type they've given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz which is how i got started they ask all sorts of questions like zip code eating habits, how much do you exercise, things like that. And by analyzing over 85 of these personal factors, pros then handpicks clean ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every single wash 
or pre-wash. My favorite feature is the Pros Review and Refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason, which is very important for me because I thrive on change. So I have moved several times since I've started Mm -hmm. my pros. I've moved to vastly different climates three Mm -hmm. times within three years. Wait a sec. It's very helpful to have a company like Pros that's my hair care is following where my hair is. Don't forget, as a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. Amazing. So if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Trust the pros at pros to manage your damage level. <laughs> Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you, pros. Thank you, pros. So Steve never worked at jobs for very long. He liked to file... No kidding. <laughs> He filed frivolous lawsuits. He had grudges with everyone. He reminds me of, if anyone listens, I'm sure a lot of people did, Sarah Turney's first season of her podcast about her missing sister and her family and her dad. If you listen to that, it was like a deep dive psyche into her dad. And it reminds me so much of Panky. So let me know if you think that is an apt comparison. And what's the name of that podcast? Voices for Justice. Okay. So Steve never worked jobs. He has grudges against everyone. He's filing frivolous lawsuits. He's also running for office. He runs for Idaho governor as a Republican Saying your what sec- gave it away? <laughs> your Second Amendment rights must be protected. Traditional core values with a biblical and constitutional perspective. All over the flyer. And in the commercial or social media, I couldn't tell what it was. There's a video of him and his hand is covering half the screen, but it's clearly promotion of some kind. And he says, hey, everybody, this is your best friend, Steve Pankey. Nope. And his hand is covering No, no. Together, we can make a safe, prosperous, moral Idaho. No, no. I love to know what you consider moral, Steve. He claims he has a degree in criminology. False. He claims he's an ordained pastor. False. Wow. So he's running on. He's just say you're a mortician. People might respect it. He's George Santos, basically, before George Santos. There you go. And the detective says, there's lots of WTFs going on when I'm reading his platform. So, I liked that. That detective was funny. I did. I like that. This Okay, so this story will show his obsession with Janelle and how he turns it in. He weaves it into every part of his life. So he gets arrested for disturbing the peace at a bank. Not sure what he did. I really want to know. I want to know so bad. Please, somebody look it up and tell us. He files a court petition claiming that the arrest was to force him to become an informant in the Janelle case and says that he fears if he reveals the location of her body, he'll get the death penalty. What's 
Okay, arrest him. That's a confession. Or he has severe mental health issues, and all of this is in his head. Well, at the very least, bring him in for heavy questioning, right? Yes, which they do. They go to his house, and they surprise him, and he sounds kind of happy to see them. Hello? Are you at my door? Hello, good neighbor. Come on in. And he tells them a lot of things that they do not ask questions for. He says he has a long bisexual history (laughs) and you can go on the Internet and it's all there. What does that mean? I know what it means. It's really stupid. I think what's happening here is is he talking about that it's on the Internet. It's not even it's he thinks that if he says that it's like I don't like young girls. Right. It's a very clear, like, weird, really weird way to go about this. Because yeah. one has nothing to do with the other, no, sir. No. But, he, but in his head, it does. Yeah. So they are like, we're here to talk about Chanel, not your, um, okay? So he also, says- I'm sorry. He's running for governor on the, okay. Yeah. Maybe. All right. It's fine. Traditional family values. Yeah, it's just that feels like that doesn't. Yeah. He says he won't talk without a lawyer about Janelle and a deal to protect him. Again, he thinks he needs some sort of deal with the police. So the detectives interview his ex-wife, Angela, the one who has lots of stories. And she says she repeats the story about the digging in the yard and how weird that was. How one time they were at church and the pastor, who was actually an ordained pastor, probably, says he has faith that Janelle is going to be found alive. And at that point, Panky jumped out of his seat in the pew and started pacing up and down the aisles and mumbling false prophet. And they put him in a back room and he started screaming. He is not well. He's not. He's unwell. They search his house and his computer is non-shockingly filled with searches about Janelle. So Hmm. Steve decides he's going to talk. Steve Panky, he loves to talk. He's going to talk to everyone but the police because he doesn't have a deal with the police. He goes to a local NBC station and goes on the news and says his father-in-law, a caretaker at a cemetery, was approached by a cop who said, we have a body that needs to be buried in a casket. The cop never mentioned Janelle's name. But that's what he thinks the cop was talking about. And that is his whole connection to Janelle's case. That is why he thinks he needs protection. It makes no sense. Also, he revealed it on the news. So the police have the ability to watch the news. Was the news mad when he said, I have top tier information? It's like Al Capone's vault. (laughs) There's nothing there. They're really mad. Yeah. Yeah. So then he says, I know who did it. It was... Greeley, former detective, current mayor, Gates, who we've seen, who we've met before because he was a detective at the time and he's now the mayor of the town. He killed Janelle and he was part of a plot. Yeah. Yeah. And the mayor is like, huh? What? How how did I get dragged into this? Mm -mm. He runs for sheriff in Idaho. Of course he does. And he says, I humbly ask for your vote. I'm Steve Panky, and I approve this ad. With a lot of, like, finger guns, yeah. thumbs ups. His yeah. slogan is, no hanky with Panky, which provided the fodder for many of alternative title. I'll bet it did. It makes you automatically think there's tons of hanky-panky. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Just tons. 
So prosecutors present their case for a grand jury and they approve an indictment. So they arrest him in Idaho. The trial starts in 2021. They have no DNA. They just have decades of incredibly weird writings and statements out of Steve Pankey's mouth being a total creeper. He's for (laughs) sure guilty of being a creeper. He's for sure guilty of some things. Something. Yeah. Multiple things. Put together, even if he didn't do this. Angela, what? Tell us how he was when you first got married. Right. I'm, I'm wondering when this change happened. Right. Yeah. So we get some stuff from her later about his dad. Yeah. Oh, so, that's right. Okay, okay, okay. Prill, the detective, has put all this files together of all these decades of times he's written to the police. He's written to every... He's talked wow. to the news. He is the panky whisperer, which is a phrase that they use that made me really grossed out. <laughs> Panky's not a good... I don't like panky whisperer. So one is a letter that he wrote to prosecutors where he talks about what he was doing that day. And he says he was watching the snow coming down. It was like a blizzard. And he thought, I don't know if we're going to be able to drive to California tomorrow. And they check the weather and it wasn't snowing that day. Then he says he remembers going to the gas station and buying a six pack of Pepsi. And this is 35 years before, but he still remembers these very crucial details of a day also, where he wasn't involved in anything. So for him, that day was yeah. very normal. But he remembers those details. Also, the wife already told us that she didn't. The California trip was a surprise. Yeah, it was like, oh, by the way, we're going to California. Exactly. So Dennis says, I see so many red flags in that statement. I can't count him. Dennis was great. That was Love a really that. good Dennis moment. So ex-wife Angela takes the stand in the trial and she talks about how strict he was. He had very strict, very traditional biblical rules. He at one point smashed her radio and said, no more radio, no more TV, no more newspapers. This is a godly house. But then when they went to the trip to California and they were driving back, he was obsessively on the radio. Turn the station, find another thing about the news story about Chanel. Well, talk radio doesn't count. She should know that. <laughs> That's probably true. So she, it is true. Talk it, radio doesn't count. doesn't count. So she, if you can't dance to it, if you can't do any kind of gyrating, yeah, you're fine. then you're good. Mm-hmm. So she found a note in the trash that's all torn up years after Janelle went missing, and it said it was a handwritten note saying snow outside the Matthews home was raked. So he knows about the raking as well. This is full on rake gate at this point. So and two that's suspects. Why you know never leave a note? Yeah, don't write it down. Also, that could be anything. I feel like that's not the best evidence. She's Snow got. outside the Matthews house was raked. Yeah, that could just be something you heard on the street. Like a bit, I if agree. you were like obsessing about the case and were collecting evidence and had heard that from a neighbor and written that down. Do you I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think if he did this, that note doesn't make sense. Years later, why would he be trying to like remember a fact that could get him in trouble? And yeah, why would he say? No. Why would he write down? I raked the snow. Not the snow was raked. I think it was just the fact that he knew it was raked. I think he heard it and collected that rumor and he was piecing together. He really wanted to be inserted into this case and he really wanted to convince the police that he knew a lot about the case and Mm -hmm. knew stuff that he shouldn't know. So I think Mm -hmm. when he got this, he was excited that he got this information somehow. 
Got it. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But we have to remember Drake also knew about the raking. So, but his mom lived across the street, but the police say they kept that really, really tight lip. Where did Panky live in perspective to the house? Do we know? In that area, but not a, f- a few blocks away. Okay. That's what I think it was, but I feel like I heard that somewhere else and not on Dateline. I think I watched a competing show about this last year. Wow. And I think it had numbers in it, the title. K-Scandalique. So... His lawyer says this is all circumstantial. He also tries to blame Angela, which I kind of did. Why didn't she come forward earlier? They say it's obvious she's just trying to get revenge on him because he wasn't a good husband. He was not. He didn't provide well, and he was very strict on her. Not a good husband is a real understatement on this one. Yeah. Also, she could have not come forward because she was scared of him. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know what to do with that information. So see, mm-hmm. now I'm defending Angela. I don't think she's doing this to get revenge on him. I don't know. I think she's just doing the right thing. And I yeah. think she didn't know where they were in the case. Yeah. She said one time his dad, Panky's dad, was also very religious and said, and I feel like I'm being mean to religious people. I want to clarify I'm only being mean to very, very hypocritical, judgmental You know the kind of religious people I'm talking about. I'm not talking about our nice, normal listeners that are religious. I have mad respect. It's fine. I hope you understand. So I always got to do that caveat. So his dad told her, you need to obey your husband unto the Lord. And if he asks you to dance on a table in the middle of a restaurant naked, you should do it. Those are the kind of religious people I'm talking about. So that's how he grew up, Panky. With that sort of belief. Subservient women, women. Women serve your husbands. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hold on a second. Where was Panky's dad at the time of this going down? Great question. Don't know. Mm-hmm. So they say, the defense says it's obviously Norris Drake. He was a pedophile and he was right across the street when she went missing. And was disappeared for five hours. He knew things before it was on the news. Mm-hmm. He had that thing about covering his footprints in the snow with a branch. He was violent towards women. He liked underage girls. <laughs> There's so much there. But can I ask a question? Yeah. Do we see Norris Drake as the type of guy that is putting the rake back or leaving it on the ground? I don't know. If this is the first time you've kidnapped someone, I think, you, think you, might, you might do things you might just have some weird thoughts in your head, like trying to cover up a crime scene, but then you forget about part of the, you know, footprints because you're not doing it perfectly. It's your first time. Or if he's using, yeah. Uh, He's on drugs, 100%. Mm -hmm. Do we know what drugs he was on? I don't, but I believe he died of an overdose. Yeah. Okay. So they really point the finger at Norris Drake, which I think is very valid. So Panky takes the stand because of course he does. And also super risky because you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. This was a mistake. This is the biggest mistake we've ever seen on Dateline of putting a defendant on the stand. Unless you're going for a very specific defense of he is unwell. Right. That, in which then they go, might be. Go for that. Absolutely. How did so, he get cleared? Honestly? Yeah, I know. So he says on the stand, the Bible says, make your sins Make sure your sins will find you out. So I began a series of lies over the years. And that I makes had no make, sense. I had to make it make sense, but it didn't make sense. And I was trying to get revenge on people I didn't like. 
I hated the police. So I said I had information, but I wouldn't give it to them out of spite because I was mad at the police. And Angela is lying about me. And I can't believe she turned out to be a big, as big a liar as I am. So repeatedly on the stand, he's admitting he's a liar. Did so they he, prep him? What's going on? Is, yeah, is the lawyer just freaking out? I think at this the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. So or he's really just trying to go. He, he is an unwell man who is trying to insert himself into a case. Which is not a bad strategy. It's not a bad strategy at all. It happened with JonBenet Ramsey. It happens with a lot of cases, oh, a lot yeah, of ho- high profile cases. So he says, I never felt romantic towards Angela, which is totally not the point. Rude. Rude. Not at all what you're supposed to be talking about. He says he told her one night that making love to her was an act of mercy, not passion. And that's horrible. And poor Angela. And also that is not you're on trial for murder. Why are you talking about that? So he talks in stream of consciousness. He believes they are living in the last days. I have a great podcast I can recommend to him. It's called Preparing the People with Lori Vallow. (laughs) I think he would love it. No, don't. Keep him away from that cult. (laughs) So can you imagine? So I can. So keep him away from that cult. He says, I wrote crazy letters to the police because the police thought I was crazy. So I wanted them to keep thinking I was crazy. So I was being crazy on purpose in those letters. And his lawyer says... While running for office. Right. Exactly. Okay. His lawyer says he's a mentally ill person looking for attention, which I 100% agree with. Doesn't mean he didn't yeah. do this, but he doesn't mean he did do this. I know that's yeah. the problem is that both can be true, right? But that is correct. He is looking for attention. He is yeah. not well. So the jury takes several days and is deadlocked, but they decide to try him again. So then they get a letter from an inmate with neck tattoos who said he bonded over Panky in jail. And they were both praising God. And that's how they bonded. And he asked Panky, or Panky asked him for forgiveness for what he did to Janelle. And the inmate said, did you kill her? And he said, that's between me and God. And he nodded. Mm-hmm. And Dennis says to the detectives, so that inmate booked himself a day on the witness stand. Dennis, welcome back. It's so <laughs> great to see you, Dennis. Only Dennis can get away with that line. It's so classic Dennis. It is. So then there's a new, another witness besides the inmate, Debbie. She dated Panky. They both went to church together. She broke up with him and he essayed her and it was horrible. Wow. She broke up with him and he drove her like out to this deserted area. Yep. It's it's just horrid. And she was going to file a report and she was dissuaded from doing so because society... Because at the time, it was he said, she said. And remember, it's, at the time, it's, it's but better still now, now, but it's still That's not great. Still happens now. Back in that yes. time, too, it was definitely they were yep. going to discourage you from going forward. Absolutely. So she moved away, moved out of state and never went back to get away from him, but was brave enough to testify during the trial and face him. Good for you. And she stared him down in the court until he looked away first. And I was like, Oh, that must have felt so good. Yes, Debbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Panky decides not to take the stand in the second trial. Great decision. Oh, I think his lawyer said absolutely (laughs) not. Well, it's his legal right to decide, but I think he was highly encouraged not to. Yeah, but the pro- it doesn't really matter because the prosecutors play his testimony from the first trial. 
because it was so bad and incriminating. It really was terrible. That the prosecutors are using it on their side. So the inmate also takes the stand. And the defense says, we all have someone in our families who's a little off. But that doesn't mean they're a murderer. It also doesn't mean they're totally innocent either. How did you feel about that defense? Would you have used that? I don't know. That feels weird. No, I think it's a good defense. But I also think people with mental illness, I have mental illness, are the same spectrum as anyone else. They could be good people. They could be bad people. They could be murderers. They could be not murderers. So just because one thing doesn't, X doesn't equate to Z, 100%. you know what I'm trying to say? Divided but, by six, but yeah. Uh, what he's saying in the core is right. Just because someone is has mental illness does not mean we should automatically think they're a bad person or have done something bad or are a murderer. But he might be. So, it, But there's it, a lot of stuff. So you have to look at everything else. I think what they're trying to say is, too, you can't take that into account. You have to look at all of these things. Which You have to look at his actions, not what he's saying, because what he's saying is part of his mental illness. Which is also like why having him on the stand doing his kind of rambling is a strategy for sure from yeah. the defense. And maybe they should have had him go up in the second trial. Mm-hmm. Were you, I would love to know the jury breakdown of the first trial. Were you surprised that it was a hung jury? Yeah. I was too. Yeah. Now I want to be clear and maybe shocking. You don't, that he, I don't. I know I can tell you don't. You I don't, don't think he did, did it. it. You don't think he did it. Okay. I don't. I think Drake did it. I think there was someone who was had pedophile leanings right across the street, disappeared mm-hmm. for five hours, had a similar MO with the tracks, knew things that the police hadn't knew that a girl was taken before it was actually on the news. And he shouldn't have known that. I think there's a lot of things that point. So why didn't to they charge him? They had they didn't have anything and they didn't have a body. So they they just had she was missing. And but long ago, you couldn't do no body cases. That's a fairly recent thing. And then he died. Right. So now we don't have anything. Did, yeah. Were we able to get anything off of the gun, the wound in her head, the size of the bullet? Or yeah, anything there, to- we didn't get anything on Dateline about who had a gun, were there gun records for Drake yeah. or for Panky? That would be... That's a great question. See, there's a few things that as a jury member, I would need in order to convict with a clear conscience. They're both circumstantial. I understand what you're saying about Drake. I do. Not the singer Drake, this Drake. Yeah. Norris Drake. I feel like there's a few pieces of information that maybe either Dateline left out. We seriously don't know because I would also guess that they would have gone and interviewed cellmates of Norris Drake. They would have gone and seen if he had ever talked about this crime. With anyone. Well, he was not in jail for anything unless he was in jail I for I guarantee drugs you he's or... been in and out of jail. Well, yeah, that's probably true. But I, I don't, don't know, know if he was in jail after this. I don't know how shortly, how much time passed before he passed away. I would also like to know what the prisoner who he confessed to, the cellmate of... Panky. Panky, what he got in return. Right. They don't tell us that. And also... You always need to ask that. Mm-hmm. If this cellmate really believed that he did it or he was just feeling like he had done, like, do you think he did it? It sounded to me like he thought that he did it. Mm-hmm. The whole God thing. That's what I mean. But I personally think that Panky has convinced himself that he did it. 
And so he was very convincing because he actually thinks he did it. Where was Pinky on the night of the murder? In that town. And then they drove to California. But what is his alibi that night? Sleeping? I don't know. With his Because wife. that's an yeah. Angela question, right? Right. Was he with you that night? Right. Do you sleep really heavy and could he have left? But it well, was it 10 was o'clock not, at night. It wasn't that late. Yeah, it was nine. Right. So did he have his eyes on her from before? Had they ever laid eyes on each other before? Because he had met the Ross girl. I want to say that there was some connection, like he had driven by their house. But I could be thinking of a different case. Again, I'm mixing up the other episode that I saw about this, and I haven't listened to Suspect. We know that someone was peeking in the window. That night, the killer. I'm going to be honest, the rake sounds more like Panky because of the putting it away and the like not paying attention to shoes and stuff. But it also could be Drake. I mean, the thing I can't get over is him telling his girlfriend, if I kill you, they'll never find your body. And if I walk in the snow, I will cover up my footprints with a tree branch. I can't get past that. And all the other stuff, obviously. What did you think about him in his interview, though? I did not find him as creepy as you did. Uh, I thought he he was a pretty good liar. If he's lying, he was a pretty good liar. But he really wouldn't talk to them very much. He lawyered up pretty fast. Just in the sort of way that he was talking to them when they were Mm -hmm. talking, he wasn't as panicked as I would think. But I don't know. Because Panky's going to be panicked about anything. His emotions are all over the map. Mm -hmm. Oh, Okay, I'm not 100% that it's Drake, but I'm not 100% that it's Panky. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, but I'm going to give you But would you have convicted Panky just to get him off the streets? No, I wouldn't have. But I would have, like, maybe written a letter yeah. and been like... Please don't. Something's not right. No, I don't know. He's in Idaho. They're in Idaho. Yeah, it's just, it's not well, that populous. Yeah. He's taking up a lot of... I'd be nervous that he could show up at my house. You no, know, he makes me so uncomfortable. Who? Panky? Panky? They both do, but Panky especially. But I don't, I still don't think that means that he did it. So. Also, again, very surprised that he's competent to stand trial. Yeah. He's really all over the map. Lori Vallow wasn't for a while. So why was she not? But he. Well, no, because there's something that they're looking for for a break with reality, right? That's the big thing. And that was the big thing for Lori Vallow is that she was not living in reality, right? She was I not. Think... Her her thoughts were not grounded. The way that they put it. I think it, you it have was... to understand right and wrong. Maybe. And understand that real like it, things have consequences. I don't think you have to understand that. that really? there, it's not like a video game. That it's like oh, a real okay. thing. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, right, right. And because she believed that she was... Uh, it wasn't yeah. really killing because it right. was they were zombies and they weren't themselves. And also they were going to be saved after, you know? Yeah, it was an act of saving. Yeah. Mm. I'm curious to hear what our listeners think. Twitter was pretty divided. They all agree Panky needs to go away. But does Panky need help? Panky needs severe help. That's what I kind of feel bad about, too. I would like Panky on medication to testify. And sorry, we are not diagnosing Panky. It's real obvious when you watch the episode that something is something's happening and I'm not picking a diagnosis. We're just saying it's very clear. Even his own lawyer says he has mental health issues. Yeah. But did he then? It seemed like something that someone who is in their later years might have. 
But he was always doing this for decades. That church thing was the thing that I was like, I don't know what that is. That pacing and then leaving the room. And then why didn't someone call the police back then? Right. This guy is acting. Right. The thing that makes me think he maybe did do it is that it started right when she went missing. It's not like an obsession he developed over the years. He was obsessed over the years, but it started the day after she went missing. Yes, it did. And so that to me... And Angela's real clear about that. Angela seems to think, yeah, he might have. Absolutely, yeah. Because of and his I total change And I think it's a valid demeanor. thought. I think it could be even 50-50 on which guy job. did it. But I just don't know. In yeah. my gut, I think that Drake did it, but I admit there's really no facts on Because that lines side. up closer. Yeah, I get the it. The circumstantial evidence winds up closer to me. I mean, it's like zebras, not horses. You have someone who is admitted to pedophile feelings and maybe actions who is right across the street at the exact time. And seen looking at the house. We need to find out if it's more than one person who's an ex-girlfriend. Because that's the problem is they can't really use that. The same problems they had with Angela being an ex-wife scorned. They're going to well, have the same exact problem. Well, maybe he told other people that he liked Exactly. Girls. That's what we need to know. Again, cellmates, ex-cellmates. Right. So he's found guilty. And the family feels like they have justice. And I'm not sure, but I'm really glad that they feel that way. And that they feel that's like they the have most it. important yeah. right well no i mean a man if we if don't want a man behind man bars jail, not guilty. that's not great yeah. Yeah. yeah so the dad tells panky you act like a christian you say you're a christian but you don't act like it and then gloria says i can't forgive him did you love it I, this is the best conversation gloria goes mm-hmm. i can't forgive him and jim says well i think we can forgive him but just not forgive what he did and gloria says no jim i am a, let me speak for myself I cannot forgive. He shot our daughter. Other Christians say I should forgive him, but how can you forgive evil? And I was like, good for you, Gloria. You don't have to forgive him if you don't want to. Don't let Jim try to make you. Good for you. I knew you would love that. You don't have to forgive. It's fine. You can use that rage to motivate you to do things in your life and to fight for justice and stuff. Only you should forgive if you feel like it's very detrimental to you. You're holding on to anger and resentment and all of that, and it's hurting you. Then I think it's beneficial to try to forgive and let go. That's just an opinion, though. That's just my opinion. That's just an opinion. Because a lot of people are going to... Especially 100%. with when religion is involved, there's a sure. Whole and thing if your religion around. and 100%, if your religion tells you that you were supposed to forgive yes. and you feel like that's which it important, does. yeah, hers absolutely. is telling her it does, which is why her going against the religion is kind of a thing. And I think Jim is actually, I hope people just think he may not be doing what it what he appears to be doing, which is like kind of talking over her. I think what he might be doing is trying to save her some flack. Yeah. Oh, I didn't ma- think he meant it in a jerk Knowing way. Knowing that some people at his church are going to maybe have some things to say about her feelings on forgiveness, but it's every right for her no to have those feelings. No person should be judging how a person who lost their child is grieving and forgiveness no, or not but forgive. That is her decision. It is. And it's. I hope they don't because we never see that on a dayline. No. This was a wild, wild episode. This was a did not go the way I expected at all. Yeah. At all. What did you think was going to happen? I thought it was going to be someone in the family. Oh. When they started to focus on Jim, I was like, oh, nope, it's going to be 
It's going to be Russ Ross or Ron Ross. Yeah. It's going to be that guy. He's going to have come back. But then his daughter is on. We get Deanna Ross. And so I was like, well, no, because she was in the car. And I was just, I don't know. He would have had to come back. He would have had to go back home and then run out, you know, and go back to the house. But I did think it was going to be someone they knew. Hmm. I did. I thought it was going to take a long time to solve and it was going to be something with Dia. I'm very curious. I have not listened to all of Vanished in the Snow. Um, Van- Vanished in the Snow mm-hmm. suspect. Mm-hmm. And now I really want to because I yeah. want to see if there's any other information and what she feels about Panky. I'm from what I've read online, she's very siding with the family and the family believes Panky did it. So Great. I think it's very towards Panky. I'm wondering if there's also information that we did not get to see. Did Dateline producers for, have for anything sure. to say on this one? Not that I saw, but I know that there's more on this case. It's just so big and it was condensed into two hours. Yeah. I know there's more. And I'm sure that podcast is, I love supporting other podcasters, even if they're on Dateline and we're not. So, you know, definitely check her out. I feel like there might have been more about Panky that we didn't see. That's all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Juries are smart, too. Juries are Sometimes. smart. Sometimes. What was also the big difference between the first one and the second? That witness of the the essay incident? Yeah. That's huge. That yep. shows a propensity now, for violence. It normally wouldn't be allowed in, but they usually don't allow in stuff like that. No and way. So I was shocked. He will definitely probably be fighting that, that they could, they let that in and they may be controversial. Controversial. <laughs> but, and you also had the inmate who testified. But a lot of people don't believe inmates. I would say I'm 50-50 on them. Yeah. Because, I mean... All, all informants, we should be 50-50 on. No, but inmate informants specifically because they're getting something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This that's what I meant. Pro inmate quo. informants. Yeah. It always makes me... Mm. Yeah. All right. Do you have B-roll? I had Eileen, the friend, looking out a window. Yes. Um, and it wasn't B-roll, but Dennis was interviewing Eileen. I thought it was a church because they were sitting on like She's long in the benches. Ding, it ding, ding. It was a courthouse. Oh. Dateline producer said, we got to interview Eileen in the courthouse. So those were just benches in a courthouse. It looked straight up like pews. I thought it was pews. And I felt really dumb because I was like, oh, dumb Jew over here thinking that those were pews. But then Dateline producer tweeted that it was a courthouse. Do so you not Den- have pews in a synagogue? Yeah, yeah. They just look different to me. I don't know. Sorry, is a pew different than a bench? I think they're essentially the same thing, right? Is it called a pew because it's in a place of worship? Yes, I'm sure. But essentially, structurally, I think they're the same. Yeah. And yes, we do have pews, but I don't know if we call them pews. Never really thought about it. So Cows. Cows. There's cow B-roll. Love it. Mark it off the bingo card mm-hmm. Dan- Dennis is in the snow like the whole time so Markov host looks incredibly cold or incredibly warm on location okay I think they this are is, bundled this is when I should bring this up Dennis is on a walking tour of Greeling Greasling Greeling Colorado he walks with the parents he walks with Deanna he walks with the patrol officer Olson, then Detective Olson. He walks with Eileen. And then he was with all the new detectives out in the snow. He walks with every single person, I believe, except Angela in different parts of town. Do you They're think walking outdoors. His doctor told him he needs to get his steps in. And so he like made a conscious effort. 
I think that he's in sunny Florida and he's enjoying the briskness. Yeah. Of Colorado, and he's just out for a good... I think the town is probably lovely. We keep seeing these aerial yeah. shots of it. It looks really pretty. All mm-hmm. of Colorado Colorado's always looks pretty. beautiful. Yeah. So I think that that's what's happening, if I had to guess. But it was so... I was like, wow, he is on a walk and talk. Just yeah. everywhere. He's doing the Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. So full, full I saw on. one of the rooms, like their living room, has the brightest green carpet I've ever seen. Super it does. 80s. And, and then, like a lemon yellow couch, like yes. that lime lemon. And then yeah. the armchair is covered with like bright flowers. Mm-hmm. I want that chair so badly. If anyone knows where I can find that chair. Tennessee. Yeah. You got to come to the South because yeah. those get snapped up in LA, but they're all over here. I love that. Like at one of those furniture consignments, you could probably get it for... $30. I love that. Yep. And the I'm on 80s it. TV that's so deep. Mm-hmm. The deepest TV. Oh, the deepest. They're so wide. Have you wide. seen these new picture frame TVs where it looks like an art piece? Oh, wow. I can't talk about it because wow. I can't afford it and I wish I didn't know about it. That's so cool. I'm ignoring it. All right. The milk cartons with the missing. Mm-hmm. They should still do that. Do I'm they not surprised do that? I didn't talk about that. I think that was in my notes somewhere. I must have skipped over it. Sadly. Oh, about the, how they need to still do that? No, just that it was. Yeah, I don't know where that. It must have gotten erased. She, that she was on the milk cartons right when that started. That program started. I think that that's a really good program, and people still drink milk out of cartons. Put it on the plastic carton. Yeah, if that you're able to print it. There was a TV movie where. Kelly Martin saw her face yes. on a milk carton and realized yes. she had been kidnapped. Yes. We should cover that for Patreon. Yes. I know that one. I think that's still like a ballad thing. Yeah. You still drink it in the morning or at night or whatever. You could still see that person out mm-hmm. and about. Mm-hmm. It feels like that shouldn't have gone away. The plant milk people have those cardboard things. They should put it on the plant milk things too. So milk, milk still has containers. Gloria serving tea on a table, which was very sweet. But I've noticed that most of the B-roll we're getting now, people aren't drinking drinks. Have we messed up? Did we do something wrong? Did we ruin it? I feel like we, I don't, it's not to do with us, but it feels a little bit like now all of a sudden it's never, no one drinks anymore looking out a window. It's like Lester with the vest. Are we ruining date? <laughs> Maybe. We have to quit. Yeah. Okay. In the 1980s, Norris Drake is smoking in the interrogation room. That's 1990. <laughs> he was smoking a cigarette. And I was like, when did that stop? Yeah. I felt like it was yeah, earlier like than the that. 60s. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Apparently yeah. not. Not a bit. No, because you could still smoke in a plane. I just watched that D.B. Cooper thing. I think you could still smoke on a plane. like D.B. Sweeney? D- <laughs> Listen to our Traders episode if you have it. There's some gold in there. <laughs> gold in them there episodes. Did you have any fashion police? No. Did you have brands? I do have one. I have a brand unhappy being a brand. Okay. Necro search. <laughs> Necro. <laughs> it's just, it's not a brand unhappy being on Dateline. It's a brand unhappy being itself. Yeah. I can see that. Don't name yourself that. No. It's bad. All right. Titles. Un- I have one. Unholy Nights. Oh, because of Christmas. Uh-huh. And That's good. he was so religious. I was trying to crowdsource by going on to Twitter and uh-huh. Absolute Bex said, I mean, there's no more obvious title than No More Hanky for Mr. Panky. Oh, there's one more. And then Chuck Deasy, who is our friend Charles. I'm worried someone's got mine right now. What is it? Stanky Panky meets the Clanky. Nope. 
Okay, what's yours? Reiki Panky. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Reiki Panky meets the Clanky. Clinky. There you go. What do you call it, the Clank or the Clink? When you go into jail. I think you go either way with it. It's the Clank. Well, Prison Mike says the Clank. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's But I think if you said, if I'm going to the Clank, people would know. Yeah. That it was, yeah. Yeah. Well Also, Clank Clank. It's Clank Clank is the law and order sound, so... (laughs) Is it? Clang, clang. I thought it was like, dun, dun. Let us know. Does it sound more like a dong dong or a clang, clang? <laughs> okay, Twitter. I'm excited. People were divided. That We were a house divided. Mm-hmm. We were a nation divided. What else is divided? Big Delane 78 says, I feel like they were rougher on the dad than they were on Drake's punk A, which is so true. They were true. so hard on the dad, giving him pollies and yelling at him and being like, I know you killed your daughter. And then Drake, they were like, oh, okay. I mean, he did ask for a lawyer, but I don't feel like they treated the dad right. No, they didn't. But you do get it if he's being super suspicious and he Mm -hmm. was being a little stitious Mm -hmm. with the... Some of that stuff was a little odd. Yeah. The calling the pastor first to confess. Yeah. Like, that's what they must have thought, right? Yeah. School Lover 13 said, did anyone catch that Janelle left a note to her dad to call one of his employees back? That made me think that it's one of his workers. And then Jess says that employee knows she's home alone. But it's now really obvious that it's them. Did they look at that because they called? So they know she's home alone. Did the police look at that employee? Just wondering. How would they know she's home alone unless they know the sister also has something going on that night? She could be there with Jennifer. They might not know that Gloria's out of town. Yeah, that's a good point. This feels like random chance. Yeah. Does Panky seem like someone who's stalking somebody? Yes. And that's why I feel like I heard something like he would drive around. But does Panky have interest in young girls? Unsure. We know he's bisexual and it can be shown on the internet over the years. He's talking to the detectives through the door at that point, right? <laughs> I just need you to know <laughs> that I am, as far as sexuality, you need to know that I'm what they might consider bisexual. Yeah. There's from the internet. What is there video? I think what are you he's talking like saying about? There's proof on the internet over the years. I don't know what that means. Like chats? Is he in like web chats? I, don't I, have, I have a thousand questions that I need answered. Is his computer like Michael Peterson's computer? Also, Again, it's, none, it's no, no one's shame. business. No it's shame. It's no one's business. That's but not yours. why they're there. And like that was the thing that the detective was almost laughing at certain points. Yeah. He's like, it was so much information that was unneeded. Yeah. It was like the interview with the news. Yeah. He's in the red shirt. And he's like. My dad, who worked at the cemetery. I don't think his dad worked at the cemetery. His father-in-law. Oh, his in... Oh, my God. His cousin's cousin's stepson's neighbor. <laughs> stepson's neighbor's friend. Yeah. From works college. At the cemetery. Got it. So Brandy says, let me brush my teeth. They feel panky. That is really, it really is a great adjective. That is an excellent adjective for that. Yeah. Like a panky for like grimy. Yeah. But like fuzzy, yeah. fuzzy teeth when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Realtor Kim 15 said, maybe Panky will be elected governor of Cell Block B. Oh. And Mary Grace said, let it be known that the hanky that Mankey refers to is not Josh Mankiewicz's hanky. In case we had to clarify, Josh Mankiewicz has nothing to do with Panky. No. Um, it doesn't say Mankey with the Panky. No. 
Absolutely and Big not. Delane 78 says, Panky kind of looks like the dude that will ask you, working hard or hardly working four to five times a day? <laughs> Absolutely, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And Sally B wrote, that inmate might actually be the one to have found God. Too late for his neck, but at least he spoke up. Now, I don't know if she means like his neck is on the line because he's in jail. <laughs> or does she mean because he has those neck tattoos? Tattoos. <laughs> is that what she meant? Because I love that. Either way, it's good. Yeah. She thinks he found God? She believed that the inmate was religious now. I hope so, which also does give him credibility in his testimony, to be honest. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. But again, if Panky really believes that he was involved in this, you would believe him. Boy, I am going to say, though, for a new person, like a new Christian... Coming into contact with someone like Panky in prison would be not great. Because Panky's so extreme, right? So you're trying to sort of figure it out and read the Bible mm, and understand yeah, what's I see going what you're on. Saying. And then you've got somebody coming in with all these sort of... His ideas are out there. You can tell. He's yeah. got a lot of, like, things to say. No, I he's just... extreme. Yeah, I hope there was, like, a normal, traditional Bible study that that I guy got into. Is. I think there is in almost every prison. There so, are in a lot yeah. of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you're being asked to, like, kind of do this like very intense moment with someone who committed murder Mm -hmm. that would be really rough and then you're trying to figure out okay do i tell the people or do i not tell the i mean what do i where's my loyalty to that young girl or to this guy Mm -hmm. Mm, i don't know yeah yeah thank you so much what we can speculate on is that you guys are amazing for listening to our show. I would like to ask you, if you have not already, to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you, everybody, for listening. You guys are amazing. Please tell a friend and spread spread the gospel of the podcast on social media because we, the really, good word. we want to grow this year and we need your help to do that. Yes, please. We want to grow this year. That would be great. Thank you, everyone, so much. Great job. Kimberly, welcome back again. So happy to have you back. Thank you for letting me have a break. Oh, are you kidding? You should get all the breaks. I think that everyone needs to be their own. Break? Be your own menudo. Be your own seven up. Be your own sprite in a world of seven up. Oh, that's good. A plus. (laughs) Good job. I'm going to get some haters from the seven up stands. It's not that serious. Uh, the Pepsi Coke thing is, so maybe this but one is But 7-Up well. and Sprite better not be that serious. I, is Slice I even around? Does Slice still exist? Mm, qu- question mark. Don't know. Question mark. All right. Sierra Mist. Are you a Sierra Mist fan? <laughs> I see you out there. Think- I'm a Fresca person. I don't know. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. So I here's how this needs to go from here on out. You and I need to somehow figure out behind the scenes. We need to do an actual investigation. Liz and Charles on Twitter are determined to find us a case so Thank that you. we can somehow get on Dateline. I actually don't mind a little investigative journalism. So let, we'll do it. I'll do all the work. Great. We'll figure it out. You just have to show up. Great. It can't be about Pamela Smart. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Okay, it can. If you find new information, I would do Pamela Smart. I've already found new information, but Dateline's not going to do that again. So we have to, we need to somehow get the inside skinny from some of our friends at Dateline and be like, what do you have on the docket? Exactly. What do you have your eye on? Yes. About six months from now. I can't even get early releases screeners of the episodes. Yeah, I know.
Which is oh, my goal for the year. So sorry. I didn't mean from the producers. <laughs> I mean from the hosts. Oh, Manky, where are We're you? We're going to have to go to the source and yeah. be like, what are you working on that we could possibly do some sort of special mm-hmm. on and get some research going? I love it. Yeah, we still don't have any credentials, though. Most of these people that do this yeah. are either actual reporters that have written books. Ashley or- Fonts, for example, the reporter here, who's the she's an actual journalist who was on CNN and stuff. So... Could we somehow attach Rebecca Lavoy to our star? Yeah. Or can I, sorry, can we attach ourselves to her star? Yeah. And then just ask her that when she gets called by Dateline, can you bring one or both? And I then think we she can would allow it. it. Yeah. Why okay, haven't great. we been on ID? I All of our friends get to be on ID. I mean, our friends at Mobs and Mystery got to be on 2020, and that was a huge, huge deal. And a lot of our podcast friends have been on ID, random ID shows, which is I very, know very cool. We're what we're here, guys. We're available. We aren't specifically nice. No, to we're ID. Not. I'm not. Yeah, there's the problem. So I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> so <laughs> my Homework. temple for a long time was held in a church because we didn't have our own building yet. And then oh, wow. when I was a teenager and bought mitzvah, we were in a trailer because we were building on that property, our Ayo. temple. So, oh, like a portable, like we're like, like literally a trailer. Where high and schools get too big, and they have the trailers. Had to cancel the bat mitzvah. It was a b'nai mitzvah. It was with my mom that because there wasn't all of the contracts were it like it wasn't structurally sound. They had to have a fireman there. They had to pay to have a fireman there on to watch to make sure because they didn't have all the like the smoke detectors and the you know sprinklers all installed and yet. Kids kept setting themselves on fire. <laughs> Jew- those Jewish teens. Drama. Trouble. They're just so dramatic. I just want to set, set myself on, on fire. fire. Also, Arrested Development is going off Netflix. I texted Oliver because I know he's gotten into it. It's going off next he's month, done. I think. So you have to watch it now. If you've been listening to us talk about it, it's I now. tweeted Netflix makes me want to set myself on fire. Please but enjoy seasons one through three. You could maybe skip the others. One through three. I don't want to say it. I th- I'm a completist, so I like to watch all of them, but they're disappointing. I'm going to be real. Is Four is when it picks up again, right? Four is when it picks up again. It's okay. a disaster. Then they recut it in order to make it make more sense because they first were doing something really weird because it was like they were all shooting uh-huh. on other projects, so they weren't with each other. But then they re-edit it. The re-edit is much better. It actually makes a lot more sense and the jokes land better. And then the next season is also weird because Lindsay's not in it. And they just keep like pretending that she's there. It's weird. But Liza's in it a lot more. She has more I of mean, a... Anytime Liza's in it, it's amazing. I'm not mad at Liza at yeah, all. Yeah, no, never. So check out one through three. I think we can safely say one through three are some of the best television. Which is... If I worked there, I would just wake up every day and be like, it's not as good as Sprite. I would be very down on myself. Why? 7-Up is not as good as Sprite. There, I said it. Oh, 7-Up. I thought he worked for a 7-Eleven distributorship. And I was like, that's the dream. What are you talking about? <laughs> you drive around all day with Hostess and Slurpees? That's the best. That, you that can't is the job. that stuff. You what? have to do inventory. You can't be snacking and... Put in honey buns in your pockets. You're just around it all day, though. And everyone is happy that you're there <laughs> because true. you're bringing the sweets. That's true. That's it's true. your best job. There's a character on Abbott Elementary who is just the guy who refills vending machines. So it, I think it's he seems happy every ter- place he goes. He's just 
bring in snacks to people. Yeah, and collect like and change. That. So and a lot of change. 